The border crisis is getting worse, and our current administration is only putting a band-aid over the real problem. I'm Byron York from The Byron York Show. Download and subscribe to my daily podcast to hear me get right into the news of the day. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Folks, stop overpaying and let Recoil Gunworks be your go-to for ammo. This is a great Indiana-based company, and it was actually created in a small basement in 2013. Small Midwest town in their basement, and uh, family-owned, they think like us, and they're really known for, over at Recoil Gunworks, their web-based firearms, ammo, and accessories retailer. They're really known for their police trade-in guns in great shape. They pick them, including the firearms, the lights, the sights, the scopes, tasers, and more. You can buy now, pay later, no interest. And at Recoil Gunworks, they have very, very competitive pricing. Super easy to use website as well. Just visit recoilgunworks.com slash Dana. You can search for whatever you need by caliber, weight, application. You can look for brands like Winchester, Federal. Uh, Vast majority of the country, by the way, has no restrictions on receiving ammo and they will note you know they have it all up there very helpfully on their website ammo shipped to your door where legal and they explain that including illinois new jersey and connecticut you need to see the frequently asked questions on that and check the product restrictions page for further state law requirements and restrictions visit recoilgunworks.com slash dana today to get you a full list of products and use code dana to get free shipping on your next order whether you need it in the woods or on the range recoil gunworks gets it there fast. And once you make your first order, it won't be the last. Use code Dana right now to get free shipping at recoilgunworks.com slash Dana. The way this thing about a gun, I didn't know anything about it, but turns out that when he made my application to purchase a, a gun, what happened was he said, I guess you get asked, I don't guess, you get asked the question, are you on drugs? You use drugs? He said no. And he wrote about saying no in right. his book. So I have I, I, I great confidence in my son. You may not like what he I got done. Nobody else does. Nobody else has confidence in him. It's not having confidence in anyone with whom you are associated. That's kind of the big thing, isn't it? Welcome to the program. Dana Lash here with you this Wednesday, still pushing away. And this uh, latest, this is part of this. It was a really weird sit down that... Joe Biden did and sat down there and was he was asked specifically about his son and the question of whether or not he had violated any kind of law, you know, because he was he was he's being investigated. There's all this stuff happening. And Joe Biden's like, no, 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 he hasn't done it. You know, no, he's he's totally fine now. He's on the straight and narrow is what he had said. Really? He's on the straight and narrow now, even though, however, he did violate a number of laws. But nobody cares. It doesn't matter because when you're a Democrat, you're special and you don't have any accountability. There's no accountability there at all whatsoever. Never. It's that privilege, that privilege. So there I have a number of headlines on, you know, whether it's by and I'm, I, I'm, I'm honestly at this point, there's not going to be I, I do not expect any kind of charges to go towards Hunter Biden. Which that makes me think that I don't have to abide by any laws either. Why in the hell should any of us have to abide by any laws if if the Bidens always get to skirt by Democrats get to skirt by with everything? You know, it kind of makes you resentful and not really want to actually. I mean, why should we all have to fill out 4473s and be honest if Hunter Biden can lie on it while smoking a crack rock? You know, just an honest question. So 
he had said that he denied the gun crime. He didn't. Of course he did. And he had said that he's on the straight and narrow. And meanwhile, he's doing these he's doing these sorts of interviews and focusing on this. And meanwhile, you have the student loan forgiveness form stuff, the the student loan forgiveness um, proposal that the administration had had not decided, you know, pen and, you know, just a stroke of the pen decided to implement. And I thought there was a really, there was a really great video that was made uh, as a criticism of this. And it was put together by regular average everyday folks showing, you know, a car mechanic, uh, showing, uh, you know, a, a people who worked in sanitation, a teacher, you know, all this kind of stuff and just middle class everyday people. And it was interesting because they were saying that, yeah, you know, I mean, it was very you know, satirical, but it's basically stop the rich kid bailout. Audio sound by 24. This was great. I spend more time working on these cars than with my own family. I spend my days digging holes, cutting grass and sweating. This is job number two today. So my customers aren't the only ones drinking coffee. I'm breaking my back out here for one reason. I want to pay off some other guy's debt. Biden's plan to pay other people's college loans using my tax dollars is a great idea. Biden's right. You should take my tax dollars to pay off your debts. My family will figure out how to get by with less. What's most important is we spare college graduates from any extra stress. Want to be a struggling artist? College is on me. My kids don't need fancy things like school supplies or new shoes. I work for you, theater major. This shift is for you, business major. Go buy yourself that new car. Enjoy your free ride. College is on me. Tell Congress, stop Biden's bailout for rich This is funny. It's a great ad. And it's true because it's exactly what this is. It's average everyday people who are told that they have to support this stuff. They have to pay this stuff. They're the ones who are going to, I mean, we're all working hard enough, right? I mean, my gosh, I worked till nine o'clock last night and they're asking me to do more. So, I mean, what do you, we're, we're all working hard enough. And for the, the reward for that is to pay off what is and has been discovered to be grad school debt. Come on. That was a great ad though. And it was interesting because in the survey since that was first announced, all of the people who had said that they are for having something like this, they're for this, uh, uh, they're for the student loan bailout. When they're told exactly how much it's going to cost them, suddenly they stop being for it anymore. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right. So this, a million other things. There's one other thing. I have it later on down in the show, but I want to get to it now too. Uh, well, I, it, it has to do with how Pfizer is apparently telling everyone, well, we knew, we knew that the vaccines didn't actually impart any kind of, any kind of uh, at all immunity. You didn't get any, and they've, they've, and this was after you had some of these, uh, some of these pharmaceutical companies that were working with Marvel and working with uh, different uh, you know, different Hollywood entities to try to promote the continuation of getting these shots, even in kids. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of resentment on social media right now. And understandably so. Understandably so. Because 
when you are told that you're a murderer if you don't get a an injection that doesn't actually transfer immunity i mean that's your people are trying to bully and emotionally blackmail you it's abuse it's absolutely abusive and then I just saw earlier this morning, the FDA authorizes Pfizer's booster for ages 5 to 11. The people who have the least to worry about the virus at all, really something. And after they said, well, we knew. This is after the CDC had said, well, we knew. We kind of knew that this wasn't, that it wasn't going to pass any kind of immunity. We kind of knew that there wasn't going to be any kind of any actual, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to actually be vaccinated from it. And after all of this, after people were fired, mil- people in the military kicked out. Now, oh, now it's coming out. They said, uh, we had this the other day, how more and more of these advisors and doctors were saying, yeah, healthy people shouldn't, healthy young people shouldn't get this. They shouldn't get this injection. And understandably so. There's, it had, it, those aren't the people who are affected by it. But we had to have a one-size-fits-all, and now here's the result of it. When you have a one-size-fits-all, this is the result. It's incredibly infuriating, especially for people who lost either their livelihoods or they were kicked out of school or they were kicked out of the military. You know, I look at the real world consequences for people, even for things that really there should never have been any consequence for. And I go back, if you'll indulge me, I go back to that, the president of the United States sitting there giving an interview about how his son's on the straight and narrow. Therefore, he shouldn't be held accountable for any of the things that he didn't do or that he did do when he was on, when he wasn't on the straight and narrow. He's on the straight and narrow, no gun charge. I mean, do you see why there's a resentment building in this country? Because there is a two-tier system of justice. There's a a two-tier system of justice where if you are the right political affiliation or the right person's son, it doesn't seem to matter. You are going to be fine. You're not going to, nothing's going to happen to you. You don't have any accountability. There you go. I mean, it's super, super simple. And this is one of the reasons why people are so incredibly frustrated. They see this stuff. Now, As it relates to foreign policy, Russia offered to turn on the uh, gas for Nord Stream 2 or Nord Strom if you're Corinne Jean-Pierre. You know, it's always the people who are in flyover parts of of the country that are called the dumb, toothless rubes, right? Those are the people that don't know anything. And you have the White House spokesperson calling it the Nord Strom pipeline. Nice. Uh, But Russia offered to restore their natural gas supplies and Germany responded pretty much with the equivalent of pound sand. Because when you string people along long enough, you mess with them for long enough, this is what you get. They overplayed their hand. So according to the Associated Press, Putin proposed, well, we could increase gas supplies to uh, Europe. We see you guys are getting ready to go through an energy crisis. We see that you guys are, uh, you're struggling. We could absolutely turned you know we could we could increase our supply german officials though because remember nord stream one was halted as a gambit that was all a political trick and so germany quite accurately said well why would we expect to believe that nord stream two is any more reliable i mean you screwed around with nord stream one remember they said oh we had it was down we had to we had to fix it we had to fix it it's going to be down for quite some time 
but we can, you know, we can help you. They just now say, oh, we can, we can offer, we can turn up Nord Stream 2. But yeah, to the German official's point, why would they trust Russia in this? Why? Why trust Russia? Because because why would Nord Stream 2 be any more reliable and not be susceptible to this sort of maintenance that re- that put them on right there at the cusp of this crisis? So they said no. They've been looking at their own coal plants. They've been looking at nuclear. Apparently that little annoying teenager, Greta Thunberg, whatever, is now backing nuclear, which just shows that Joe Biden is even more ridiculous and extreme and all the green cultists are even more ridiculous and extreme with their extremist policies because you you have the the greeny face, Greta Thunberg, who's apparently now supporting nuclear. And so the uh, Russians were kind of taunting the West. They said, oh, well, we can... We can send more stuff to Nord Stream 2. Christian Hoffman, who is the spokesperson for the German government, said, you know, you already made similar comments, Russia. They said, independently of the possible sabotage of the two pipelines, we've seen that Russia is no longer a reliable energy supplier. And that even before the damage to Nord Stream 1, there was no longer any gas flowing, she told reporters in Berlin. She said, so for us, there's no reason to believe that would change. And she added, when prodded about Putin's comments, she responded with a, quote, nice try. And so when they said, okay, so you will absolutely rule out the use of Nord Stream 2, and she said yes. So it's the equivalent of pound sand. Even before the explosion in the Baltic, Russia had already cut off Nord Stream 1. They were having this energy standoff, and they said, oh, no, there's some technical issues, but everybody knew what it was, and everybody called what was, everybody called it. And so now the Russian, the Russian gas supplies, prices have been super, I mean, they've been driving inflation, pressuring governments to ease the energy bills for household and businesses. And so Putin says, well, you know, the, uh, one of the two links of Nord Stream 2 has remained pressurized and it uh, looks like it's ready for service. No, nope, not going to happen. And they, they're right. They, I mean, you become dependent upon that and they still have you by the throat. That's one of the smartest decisions that Germany has made in quite some time. It can happen. It can happen. So coming up, gender. I'm so tired of seeing videos of these self-absorbed teachers who they're, they're in their 20s and they're, they constantly record themselves for TikTok and they are so self-absorbed. They think that everyone is as interested and obsessed with their sexual lives or lack thereof as they are. And they just desperately feel the need to talk about this in their elementary school classrooms. We're going to discuss that coming up. We're also going to get into uh, some of the other, there's some other stuff related to this, including some legislation. Uh, there's some some legislation that seems to be incorporating some of this allowing Planned Parenthood to just give out puberty blockers and hormones. We'll talk about that as well. Stanford Children's Doctor also says that uh, that basically uh, they were discussing how transgender surgery increased by fivefold and basically chop it off. It's money making. So we're going to have all of that for you. I have a bunch of stuff, including some of the latest with the border. And of course, I have a big midterms update for you, too. So you don't want to miss rights, immigration, foreign policy, and marriage. Folks, these subjects are a big part of political dialogue today, and we talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. Right now, my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Join Hillsdale professor 
professors Thomas West and David Azarad as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So what are you waiting for? The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Visit DanaForHillsdale.com to watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation, and sign up for this new completely free online course. That's DanaForHillsdale.com. DanaForHillsdale.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. And let's see, having a little bit of technical difficulties here and pulling anything up because it's Google and nothing wants to work. Angela Lansbury, this is sad, 96 years old, although she had a long and happy life, has passed away. I think that completes the cycle of three as we were talking about it last week. Uh, But... I mean, everybody knows who Angela Lansbury is, and most most famously for Murder, She Wrote, but she was a legendary, versatile actor. She could sing, she could dance, she could do it all. They don't make them like her anymore. Now it takes 50,000 session musicians for one person to write a song, and then they get so filled with plasticine that they don't even look like their, their original selves anymore, so who knows. Uh, a California restaurant is defending the MyPillow guy, Mike Lindell, after a visit, according to the Washington Examiner. A Mexican restaurant in Northern California came to Mike Lindell's defense after a Facebook post commemorating his visit led to controversy because people are morons. Trey Chile Picosos posted an image of the MyPillow CEO alongside two staffers following his visit with expressions of gratitude for his patronage. However, the post was not well received by people who get hurt by other things said on the Internet. And so it was flooded with comments of criticism and notifications that people who most likely never went to the restaurant in the first place would never visit the restaurant again. And rather than issue a retraction, the owners decided to smartly stand firm. They shared the struggles that their business was going through and said that anyone could come and eat there. And so I hope everyone else that was trying to ruin this business because their opinions were hurt on the Internet, they can go and pound sand in the most uncomfortable and unflattering way possible. You can pay $1,500 to look like a dork and basically play Second Life. Meta unveils its much-hyped Quest Pro headset, and it costs $1,500. It's a tax on stupidity. It was unveiled at Meta's annual Connect conference, and this, just like every other headset, is probably going to go out of style within the first three months that it's actually been on the shelves. Meta's platform, they unveiled the Quest Pro virtual and mixed reality headset, making, making it easier for screechers and pervs and creeps to all get on Second Life or do whatever they do on whatever platform that's like that. It's just weird. I don't get it. It just It's like really overhyped, I think. Stick with us. We got a lot more on the way. Did you know the tart cherries are an important superfood? When it comes to promoting metabolic health, they are a powerhouse. But if you're not looking to chug two cups of tart cherry juice a day, you need to know about new tart cherry gummies. Tart cherry gummies from the makers of Super B Tart Chews are an easy way to reduce inflammation from exercise, and they support immune health. Just two tart cherry gummies are the antioxidant equivalent of 16 ounces of tart cherry juice or 100 cherries. They're vegan, non-GMO, they have zero sugar, and are simply delicious. Tart cherry gummies come with a 
100% satisfaction guarantee. Try them risk-free for 90 days and see how you feel. If you don't love them, send them back, no questions asked. Right now, you can get up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies plus free shipping at buytartcherry.com slash Dana. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's buytartcherry.com slash Dana for up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies. Buytartcherry.com slash Dana. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Wait, let's get straight why I went. I didn't go to one about oil. I went about making sure that we made sure that we weren't going to walk away from the Middle East. Hmm. Well, that, I'm not quite sure. I think I'm looking at an, maybe an old one. I, I was, thought we were getting Corinne Jean-Pierre uh, saying that Biden inherited an economy at the beginning of a pandemic. Um, welcome back to the program. That was audio sound by two. Uh, welcome back to the program, Dana Lash here uh, at the t- bottom here of our first hour. And that, if we can play that audio soundbite too, because that was a really weird soundbite. Uh, and she was, this was during the, yesterday's White House press avail. And she was trying to talk her way out of some of these bad numbers. And of course, the IMF and everybody else saying we're on the cusp of a recession. Although I've argued for months now that we're in it. We're not on the edge of anything. We're in it. We are in one. And this was just a weird, listen to this, this is a weird soundbite from her. We've been here for about 20 months. When he walked in, businesses were closed. Small businesses were closing down. Schools were not open. And we were in a, in a pandemic, during a pandemic or at the beginning of a pandemic where thousands of people were dying. <coughs> That's what the president walked into. Okay, he didn't. Oh, wow. Really? Because who advocated for the closing of everything? Who were who was the person mandating closures? Who are the parties that were mandating closures? This is like some real level 12 Baghdad Bob nonsense here. Oh, Biden. Biden inherited 1.4 percent inflation. And he in he inherited uh, low gas prices. They were like, what, two bucks and some change what schools were closed when he when he says oh well i you know i inherited this i inherited the the lockdowns this all began and i remember when it began because it was right after it was in spring of 2020 it was my my son's first college year and so he was in he was in school and he only got really the first half of his I mean, it was just weird. Or he was in his, sorry, he was in his second year of school. And he only got the first half of his second year of school because they, everybody went home for Christmas and then they came back. And then as it was leading up to spring break, they just kept everybody home. They didn't have everybody go back. And it was, it was weird. I mean, this was all of this, this, who were the people that advocated for this? He inherited this and they wanted it done more. They actually said that things were being opened too fast. I specifically remember Biden and his cronies going after uh, the previous administration and anyone who dare suggested that maybe they should allow for these schools to open because it's hurting kids. I, I, I mean, that's. You would just think that that's I'm just amazed at this. They act like they acted like this was something that Trump and Republicans did entirely on their own. 
There were some Republicans that shut down some areas and they got lit for it. Some of them even lost seats and rightfully so. Rightfully so. It's just he didn't he he inherited actually an economy that was on its way back. And the first thing that he did was immediately mandate a trillion dollars in spending. I mean, this is this that was a bit that was the first major problem. That's one of the reasons why we're dealing with the we're dealing with the inflation that we're dealing with. It's one of the reasons that we're dealing. I mean, name something. Good heavens. Immediately kick kicking off a trillion dollars in spending. So much of its special interest. And then following it up with two tax hikes. What do you think that's going to do to an economy that's barely still digging itself out? If they had stayed on the same trajectory, it would actually, we would have been recovered. And the reason that we weren't completely destroyed in the first place is because we had such a strong economy going into it. Thank heavens. Who knows? I I don't even want to think about what would have happened if we had a weaker economy going into it. It's just amazing. Here's the other thing, too. This, um, there was one reporter who was asking uh, Dr. Dr. Ja, this was, uh, he's one of the virus people with, I'm just saying virus people, because the whole thing is just such, it's just unbelievable. If you would have told me 10 years ago that all this stuff was going to happen, I don't know if I'd believe you then. But he was saying that, well, Biden did tell 60 Minutes that he thought the pandemic was over. Is that an assessment you share? And they're not even consistent. They're not even on the same page. Listen to this response. President Biden did tell 60 Minutes that he thought the pandemic was over. Do you share that assessment? So let me be very clear. The president also followed that up with COVID is not over uh, and said we are doing a lot of work. I am the COVID response coordinator. We are doing a lot of work. It's not over. It's, it's over. Just because a lot of people get it. I, I think that the, you might as well just say there's a pandemic of the flu or there's a pandemic uh, because it's a lot. I'm just amazed. They have it, fe- it feels like people in control have to have something to keep stoking the fear and to keep demanding that you be scared of something that only they can protect you from. And that's kind of what this is. Now, I, w- I have to go into this was this is pretty amazing. This audio soundbite. Because. This reaction from Canada, this Danielle Smith, she's the premier of Canada's uh, Alberta province. She's with the she's the leader of the United Conservative Party over there. She was just uh, a day like yesterday sworn in as the premier of Alberta. And during she's the third female premier. I don't care. 19th overall. I don't care. But I thought more interesting than anything was her remarks on all of this audio soundbite 16 because keep in mind how canada was treating people who were unvaccinated and by and i believe the united states i think if you're canadian don't you have to still be vaccinated to get in the united states if you're canadian i was i i can't i i'm almost at the point where i don't even keep up with it because it's just so arbitrary and so not based on science and not consistent. But this is what the new uh, premier of Alberta said, Danielle Smith, yesterday after she was sworn in. The community that faced the most restrictions on their freedoms in the last year were those who made a choice not to be vaccinated. I don't think I've ever experienced a situation in my lifetime where a person was fired from their job or not allowed to watch their kids play hockey or not allowed to go visit a loved one in long-term care or hospital, or not allowed to go get on a plane to either go 
across the country to see family or even travel across the border. So they have been the most discriminated against group that I've ever witnessed in my lifetime. That- mm-hmm. It's, it is unbelievable. And the people who are the most discriminated against have been those individuals. I can't, I mean, good for her for saying that. I'm, I'm happy that she did. Because that's one of the, that's, I think, one of the most unacknowledged truths of this, you know, the past couple of years here. And that is, you know, this, this, the, all of these revelations coming out about the, uh, the injections and how it didn't transfer immunity and the people, I, I know friends who were fired. This is what gets me. I know friends who were fired over this who lost their jobs because they didn't get the injection. We lost friends. We had people who said that they couldn't be friends with us anymore. They thought we were being selfish, even though we had had it. And apparently they never bothered asking. We had already had it. And so we had natural immunity. But, you know, we were horrible people because we didn't get the injection on top of it. And so we actually had people stop being our friends because of it. You have the Pfizer executive admitting that it was never tested to prevent transmission. The CDC already said, came out and said, uh, Deborah Burks, that it, they knew the entire time that it was never, never going to actually prevent transmission. And so all of these people who acted like absolute and total jackwagons, I, I think they were always jackwagons to begin with. I think a lot of people out there decided that they wanted to act like jackasses because they needed something to justify it. They decided that this was a great time to show you who they were, and they used this as a cover-up for it. So all those people who were nasty out there to everybody else because they didn't get a completely worthless injection, I hope you feel better that your that your ruse is up, that everybody can see that it really had nothing to do with preventing transmission. It's just because you're a callous jerk. That's all it is. And you just wanted to lord it over people. That's my, that's my honest opinion. And for those people who axed themselves out of your lives and the people who removed you from their workforces, y'all are better off without that trash. This just makes me angrier. You have to, it, was like a, it was like done as a form of fealty. That's what this was. It was. You have to get an injection as a form of fealty. The more I talk about it, the angrier that it makes me. Because there were people demanding, I mean, this, this admission from this Pfizer executive. Oh, it was never tested to, pre- to, to prevent the transmission. That's amazing. And that was uh, Pfizer CEO, Dr. Albert Borla. And he was asked, was the Pfizer vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? He was, this was a, he was asked this on Monday, whether this, Vaccine that they developed in partnership with BioNTech, would it prevent the viral transmission? They asked this. They had a member of a Dutch, par- a Dutch member of parliament, Rob Roos, asked uh, this, this spokesperson, Janine Small, who is president of the International Development Markets for Pfizer. She was testifying before the Europe- European Parliament's Coronavirus Committee on behalf of the Pfizer CEO. And when they were asked this, Roos said, was it tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with the committee? And she actually admitted before this Dutch parliament, she said, yes, they did not. Yes, it was not actually tested to prevent transmission before bringing it to market. They had no idea what it would do. 
Uh, listen, this is crazy. Thanks, Steve. Listen, this is nuts. So a question then for you, Ms. Small, where I would like a clear answer, please. So there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping immunization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Just unbelievable. So they knew it. This just goes along with what CDC Deborah Burks had said and that they knew that there wasn't going to be any kind of and we knew this. We knew this. But, you know, why do I bring this up? Because I feel like, honestly, I haven't been mad enough about this. I really feel that way. I haven't been angry enough about it. I mean, there I couldn't even go and accept meetings in New York. There were there was all kinds of people were were, were supposed to have a couple of meetings with folks. And I'm like, I don't even know if I could get a cab. And I've already had this. I've already had this virus. I'll be damned if I sit here and inject myself with something just as some kind of you know physical way, uh, some alternative to bend the knee here and as a pledge of fealty to something. I'm not going to sit here and do this. So I just didn't take meetings. I just didn't do it. I'm like, I'm not going to. I actually turned down work. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going up there. I'm not kidding you. Because that's when they had the, you, in order to walk into almost any building, you had to have the injection. Like, look, if there, if, if, if this, and this was even, if people were questioning this just because I knew people who had had it and kept getting it. They had all their shots and they kept getting it over and over again. And I was even around some of them. Then I never, I never developed it again. I already had it. I had, you know, my whole family did. But what makes me so angry is that so many people in this country and beyond were demonized. Oh my gosh, you were absolutely trash talked. You, the worst of your moral fiber was assumed. Your character was disparaged. You were told that you were a murderer, that you were unfeeling. You were told that it was somehow indicative of your absence of faith. Your faith was questioned because you didn't get this injection. And now we're supposed to sweep this under the rug. Oh, well, you know, the literally the people who made it said that they never tested it to see if it prevented transmission. The CDC admitted that they knew all along that it didn't. So let's just, mm, no, I'm not going to let this go. There are a lot of people who owe apologies, but they're cowards and they won't give them. Shame on those people. I mean, just all the all the heaping coals on their heads. All of them. We have more to come here. This uh, we're at also coming up in our uh, n- next hour, second hour. We're going to get into uh, a whole bunch of the uh, I have a lot of midterm updates for you, a whole lot of midterm updates. So we're going to get into all of that. If you're like me, you're growing more and more concerned about the future. Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing and market experts not only predict a recession, but they're using terms like, quote, economic hurricane and unprecedented. So if you want to protect your future, do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your savings and retirement 
retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. So get started with just one short phone call and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call right now and you'll receive up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. Don't wait. Call 866-887-1188. That's 866-887-1188. Or text DANA to 998899. Protect your future with American Hartford Gold. 866-887-1188. Or text DANA to 998899. Red meat, black coffee, truth-telling. The Dana Show. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter over at Substack, Chapter and Verse. I saw that, I want to talk about this more coming up in the border issues. I don't know if y'all saw this, but in addition to the the whole Pfizer CEO and them saying, yeah, we knew, we never actually tested to see if this prevented transmission. Did y'all see the email revealing, Bill Malugin busted this story out a couple hours ago. So you remember the whole horseback uh, border patrol photo narrative, right? So the Secretary Mayorkas, he was alerted by Department of Homeland Security's uh, Department of Homeland Security top public affairs official. There's there there's a paper trail of this now. There's an email. They were saying that the whole whipping narrative, the photos were not true. No one was whipping anyone. But at a press conference just a couple hours after that. Mayorkas went out there. He didn't correct the narrative of the press. He didn't share with the press the contents of the emails from Department of Homeland Security's public affairs official telling him that all those accusations were absolutely not true. No, instead, Mayorkas continued the lie. And he called the images, quote, horrifying and said that they were going to look at reprimanding these agents. They, he lied. We're going to talk about this coming up more in our second hour, just minutes away. Stay with us. Dana Lash here for Arc Seeds. There's a growing sense of instability and uncertainty. Gas, housing, everyday items are way up. Uh, food prices have the nation reeling. The ability to grow your own healthy food is on almost everybody's mind. So this is why I want to tell you about Arc Seed Kits. You can visit Arc, A-R-K, ArcSeedKits.com and enter code Dana to receive 10% off. Now, Arc Seed Kits, it's a non-GMO seed company. It's family owned and they provide heirloom seeds for across the nation for over 13 years. They want to make sure every home in America has the ability to grow and harvest its own food. Now, these are the highest quality heirloom seeds. They arrive in a sustainable container offering long-term and short-term storage. And they also bring seed-saving knowledge and food preparedness to you and your community. You can get seeds for vegetables and herbs. They have 50,000 organically grown seeds in each kit. We're talking corn, watermelon, cucumbers, lettuce, beans, tomatoes, all kinds of stuff designed to grow new nutrient and calorie dense vegetables and fruits to sustain any home at any time. So, and they can be harvested and regrown year after year. You guys know how heirloom seeds work, right? Chaz Chop in Portland didn't. So visit Arc Seed Kits and enter Dana to get your 10% discount code and be on your way to food and economic security, helping you and your family and your community. It's a limited time offer. Visit arcseedkits.com, A-R-K, and order your seed kits and save 10% today. Should the American people prepare for a recession? No. Look, they've been saying this now how uh, every, every six months they say this. Every six months they look down the next six months and see what's going to happen. 
it hadn't happened yet. It hadn't been, there, there has, there is no, there's no guarantee that they're going to be, I don't think there will be a recession. If it is, it'll be a very slight recession. That is, we'll move down slightly. Hmm. Yeah. Well, first off, that was with the sit down that Biden had with Jake Tapper. Should the American people prepare for a recession? Oh, I just don't know, said POTUS. I don't think you can predict that. Yeah, you can. Quit spending money. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Top of our second hour. Very interesting back and forth. But the whole point, I I was sharing this with you yesterday. He just, I think that that interview I guess his people were looking and thinking whatever we can do to make it as the least bad as possible. That should be, you know, that should be kind of the goal here. We don't want him to step all over himself. We just, we know that there's going to be some tough questions that are going to be asked, but uh, let's, you know, kind of tough, uh, but let's just, you know, keep him away from any kind of weird remarks. So even though I don't think that he really put anybody at ease, Uh, concerning the economy. I don't think that he made anybody feel better about it. But he didn't he didn't uh, have any major horrible well that we would play endlessly on the show and laugh about because it's he's so inarticulate. But yet, however, at the same time, I also think this his his remarks were full of I'm blaming everybody else. He didn't offer any solutions in his remarks as to what he would do to stop this economic freefall. And a lot of people picked up on that. I said yesterday that the top 10 issues for voters, it's interesting because when I went and I was looking at it the first time, basically they said uh, the economy in about four different ways. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, Economy and energy. They're, they're very concerned. And immigration. It reminded me 2016 when I was in New York for, for Fox for election night coverage. And they would bring us, you know, these readouts. And every, you know, like three or four times a night they'd bring new readouts. Everybody got their own little package of readouts. I always felt like the person who was in charge of that, by the way, sidebar for the news, that person was like really the MVP because they had to keep track of everything for every single talking head that was on television. Because they were bringing us up and they would rotate us out all throughout the night. Uh, us hitting different aspects of, the, uh, of what Americans cared about for the election. I always thought that they did a really good job of making sure everything was covered. I mean, they even had some Democrats there. And, and we all got along in the green room, amazingly enough. But I remember when they brought out readouts leading up to that. I think people were saying that Trump's rhetoric on immigration wasn't going to somehow land with voters. And they had been saying that all through the primary and then he wins the primary and then they'd been saying it all through general election. And one of the first things that I picked up on, they brought us there. We were actually we had just sat down at the desk and we had we got um, plugged in. So when you get plugged in, you always have to keep your, your mic on and attached to your collar and your lapel mic and all that your lav. And they have tape on the desk and you have to, your belly button has to be where the tape is. Everybody's got to be for their camera shots. And once you're plugged in, you can't move. Don't think about moving. And at that point, I think it was on a commercial break right before we were going to go on. They had brought us new readouts and 
I mean, you have your your trusty highlighter. Everybody's got their stuff. Everybody's waiting for the readouts. And it was so fascinating because just like through the primaries, all the readouts, and these were, I mean, thousands of people that were surveyed from all parts of the country, Republican and Democrat. The fascinating thing, and this was particularly true in those states that shockingly went for Trump or where Trump had closed the gap between the Republican and, the, and between him and Clinton, which no Republicans before hadn't done that. The t- always in the top three was immigration. Immigration, 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 immigration. I think at one point I even looked over at Juan Williams and I was like, huh, looks like you were wrong. Look at this. And he's like, well, I see. A- apparently. And he was always he was always very nice off camera. But it was really something to see that. And I think it, it wasn't that Democrats did not know that this was what voters were concerned about. I really believe that they thought that because they have so much favorable coverage on the news and they have Hollywood, they have uh, network news, they have you know more than you know, one network on cable news, they have all their surrogates. I actually thought, I, I really do believe they, they believed in their, their this ability that they thought they had to convince people that immigration wasn't an issue. They thought they would talk, they'd be able to talk people away from that. And it was really a stunning measure of their not just inability to message. And it was a stunning measure of, I think, the callousness towards the American voter. And I remember making that point that night. Because all of the messaging that we had heard from them leading up to this was that anyone who brought up the issue of the border, that it was somehow you were racist, etc. And one of the biggest takeaways, and this also had to any border state, and they asked, you know, the readouts, they ask if you're black, white, Hispanic, Latino, whatever. They want to know everything about you. And there was an inordinate amount of Hispanic voters who had named immigration as one of their top three issues because they were concerned about the lawlessness at the southern border. And to watch Democrats just kind of gloss over that and think that they were going to be able to talk the electorate into not caring about it showed just a grotesque, ignorant misunderstanding, not just of the voter, but of their own uh, their own really prowess. They just did not care and they expected the voters to follow in, in kind and voters didn't do that. And I kind of feel the same thing is happening right now as it relates to their discussion of the economy. You can't go out there and tell people just like you can't go out and tell them that the border's secure because they see it and it's not. You can't go out there and tell people that you inherited a bad economy and that it was through no fault of your own. You can't go out there and tell people that you don't know why the inflation is so bad. It's probably because of Putin. Voters know who was advocating for the closures of businesses and schools. They remember. They remember that it was Democrats who thought it was just absolutely irresponsible to reopen schools. And they went after every red state Governor, they went after every Republican official who said to the contrary of lockdown. They said that they were murderers. They were going to get people killed. They were going to create these hotbeds of transmission that they were going to be. Uh, these were going to be super spreader events and super spreader uh, locations. They said all of these things. I remember what they said specifically when New York was arguing as to whether or not they should 
reopen their schools. And there was a comprehensive study that was done. And what they discovered was that it was it was something like 0.3% of all transmissions were taking place in schools and that it was uniquely the adults who were going to gatherings in other people's homes or their own and then going to school and they tested positive. They were the supermarkets apparently were greater sites of transmission than schools in New York were. And when you had Republicans and more moderate Democrats try to bring this up to the likes of Chuck Schumer and Cuomo and everyone else, they lost their ever loving minds in face of the data, in face of science. And so now here we are again. And he's saying, oh, you know, I mean, I inherited all of this. Dude, you were one of the loudest voices for the total stoppage of the world's largest and strongest economy. And you think that you bear no blame for that? You and your party went after everyone from Ron DeSantis to Greg Abbott. Even Greg Abbott, Abbott shut down a little bit. And then Democrats are mad. They're trying to act like they're mad at him now, like they were on the other side. Dude, you all were pressuring him to do more. They hated Ron DeSantis. They were, there was a guy who actually left his job to dress up as the Grim Reaper. Did you remember this? And he followed. Anytime there was a Republican event or a beach open, he was there standing on the beach like a moron. And look all the good it did him. He just looks like we don't even remember who he is, just some moron who decided to dress up in black robes on a sunny beach. Dumb. So this they really I think that they're making these same mistakes and I'm totally fine with that. And I want them to keep doing it because I don't want to help people in their ease to disregard the will of the voter. Unless, you know, know, actually I do, because if it helps cost them the election, then I'm all for that. Just wild, wild, wild. And I was th- every time I, I go come back to this interview, I, I just I, I remember this. So speaking of the economy, golly, IMF issues a stark recession warning. The International Monetary Fund, they've downgraded their forecast for the global economy with a very sharp warning. The worst is yet to come. Totally opposite of what Sinatra saying. And they said for many people, 2023 will feel like a recession. I kind of think that part of 2022 feels like a recession for people, right? I mean, good heavens. They said that the global growth is expected to slump to 2.7 next year, 25% probability it could fall below 2%. And that compares with the, man, that, that compares with the projected growth of 3.2% this year. And the figure that they have for next year is 0.2 percentage points lower than the IMF's July outlook. So that's roughly a third of the global economy that's going to contract. And you have the United States, the European Union, and China, the three largest economies. IMF says they will continue to stall. He also says that he believes global inflation may peak late this year. But, of course, as we learned last week, it's going to remain elevated for longer than previously expected, of course. And, of course, we're going to see hiking interest rates. People have already, we've already seen uh, major central banks do that to try to limit price rises. But that's, a, that's also a risk to the economy, too. So, man, that's um, storm. We're, we're not even in the stormy waters, they say. We're just headed there. We're just on our way there. But, hey, guys, uh, you know, uh, gas, the gas uh, went down. It's back up again, though. But it went down for a little bit. <laughs> Where's, we hear that from. We hear that from. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and we're supposed to celebrate it. I was reading this very interesting piece, and I do believe, if I haven't, I will. I'll double check. I think I put this in one of your email prep newsletters. And it's over at the American Mind, and it gets into the foreign ownership of American farmland, particularly 
China buying American farmland at a really fast pace. Governors like Ron DeSantis and senators like Chuck Grassley out of Iowa, even Debbie Stabenow in Michigan, have been raising the alarm on this. Foreign ownership of American farmland went from 1% in 2000 to 2.9% in 2020, about a 290% increase just over the past 20 years. New security risks with that as well. We're going to jump into this and talk about this because it's very, really interesting. I mean, it is a national security issue. And I also have a midterm update for you. Georgia's only Senate debates coming up on Friday. And uh, one of the latest surveys out says it's still a toss-up race. We got that and more to get into here as we roll towards the bottom of our second hour. Did you know the tart cherries are an important superfood? When it comes to promoting metabolic health, they are a powerhouse. But if you're not looking to chug two cups of tart cherry juice a day, you need to know about new tart cherry gummies. Tart cherry gummies from the makers of Super B Tart Chews are an easy way to reduce inflammation from exercise and they support immune health. Just two tart cherry gummies are the antioxidant equivalent of 16 ounces of tart cherry juice or 100 cherries. They're vegan, non-GMO, they have zero sugar, and are simply delicious. Tart Cherry Gummies come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Try them risk-free for 90 days and see how you feel. If you don't love them, send them back, no questions asked. Right now, you can get up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies plus free shipping at buytartcherry.com slash Dana. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's buytartcherry.com slash Dana for up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies. Buytartcherry.com slash Dana. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So, this, I cannot think of a more horrific way to go, man. This is the second story I've had involving, I just want to say, wood chippers in four weeks. So, this accident happened in Menlo Park, California. A tree trimmer is dead after falling into a wood chipper while trimming trees. He was working. It occurred at 12.53 p.m. yesterday. And apparently the police responded to the report of an incident involving a tree trimmer. He had accidentally fell right into a wood chipper as he was working. And I mean, quite literally, he was found deceased from the injuries sustained by the wood chipper. That's golly. So they said they had to shut the street down. They didn't release the worker's identity because they were still trying to notify his next of kin all they said it was he, and that's it, because uh, they're biologists. Uh, but no, this is awful. They said that Menlo Park Police confirmed uh, the fatality. It's going to be investigated by OSHA. Oh, their OSHA is going to get in this. But that's just, man, that's just what a horrible way to go. Uh, a Biden donor and a Democrat and a former mayor. How much you want to? Uh, how much you want to bet that this guy was also part of Mayors Against Illegal Guns? That whole group. So apparently, this guy ended up. Uh, he's he's now banned from holding office. Former Oregon mayor, donor, Dennis Denny Doyle. Uh, he's pled guilty to one count of possession of child pornography following his arrest in March. So now he entered the plea yesterday uh, amidst this investigation into these images of children who've been identified as sexually exploited minors by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And so he's uh, he worked with the Biden administration, the Obama administration, He's been arrested 
And uh, now he's been charged. Several images of kids under 12. Sentencing is going to go out in January. And I tell you, it better only include the death penalty. Child predators like this guy should be absolutely put to death. The end. New Zealand. Oh, God love them. The Kiwis down there. New Zealand proposes a, I'm not making this up, attacks on cow burps and farts in the latest effort to save the planet. I love just the simple-mindedness and the the self-aggrandizing vision of these people uh, who make these laws. Their government proposed a tax on greenhouse gases created by farm animals, burps, and urine to try to tackle climate change in the country. The Federated Farmers President, Andrew Hoggard, blasted the plan for unfairly burdening farmers uh, and by the way, also because it was stupid, he said they just want to keep far. We just want to keep farmers farming. They want to stop them. Well, he's not wrong. And a guy tried to rob a bank with a finger gun. I'll have more on that later. Stick with us. Caltech Innovation is back to back. You've heard me talk about Caltech's P50 pistol. Now here comes the new 9mm P15 carry pistol. Quality engineered. The 9mm P15 carry pistol is the lightest, thinnest of its kind in Caltech's first striker fire handgun. And as another first, the P15s feature a totally unique patent pending 15 round extended magazine. Now, other features include ambidextrous grip, safety, reversible mag release and the hybrid fiber optic night sights with fully adjustable rear that all comes standard it's from Keltec, inventors of subcompact polymer and now metal handguns the p15's gator grip texture on the polymer version increases stability and makes for easy accurate handling while the all metal version offers comfortable but positive traction and a really beautiful wood grip panel the p15 is the dependable firepower you need to secure your world see the new nine millimeter p15 first up close and personal at Keltec weapons That's K-E-L-T-E-C weapons.com. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's the Dana Show. It's everything. It changes everything. Everything about it has changed. Basically having a conversation with your wife to having a conversation with your children. Just, you know, things, uh, especially early after the stroke, um, the ability to really understand what exactly what I'm being heard is, but it gets much, much better where I, I take in a lot. But to be precise, I use captioning. So that's really the major, uh, excuse me, that's the major uh, challenge. And every now and then I'll miss a word every now and then, uh, or sometimes I'll maybe mush two words together. But uh, as soon as I have captioning, I'm able to understand exactly what's being asked. But even after the stroke, uh, immediately after that, I was able to read everything and I haven't lost any memories or anything like that. It's just really the lingering issue that I have. So that wasn't, oh my gosh, we were just talking about this interview on break. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. So that was NBC talking with John Fetterman, who is running, as you know, one of the most more hotly contested Senate races. Oh man, that's bad. It was a bad interview. Welcome back. Dana Lash here with you. The closed captioning that he was mentioning. So he's asked about this. And he kept having to glance over. He kept having to look at his computer to read the reporter's questions typed out for him. Because he could not process them audibly. And then give answers back. I mean, it's no big deal, guys. It's just the Senate. You know, it's just the Senate. No big deal. I mean, you know. It was a really bad interview. And he 
would not actually commit to giving his record. So he was asked, and I didn't send this over because it was literally like, you know, five seconds. But he was asked, you know, we asked for your medical records. You declined. Why? And he goes, our doctor already gave uh, a record saying I'm ready to serve. NBC goes, well, that was six months ago. Don't voters deserve to know your status now? And he goes, well, I give speeches and interviews. That's not. And what did Steve, what did you say that he said he'd be ready by January or something? Right. Is that what he said? Oh, my gosh. Listen to this audio. Somebody one. This is kind of a this is sort of a, a recap of it. Uh, but they when they were having they when they were engaging in small talk, they actually had to turn on the closed captioning for him. He had his computer screen up and she would she was sitting across from him. She would ask him a question and he would then look at the screen and it I don't know. Just listen to this. We had a monitor set up so that he could read my questions because he still has lingering auditory processing issues as a result of the stroke, which means he has a hard time understanding what he's hearing. Now, once he reads the question, he's able to understand. You'll hear he also still has some uh, problems, some challenges with speech. And I'll say, Katie, that just in some of the small talk prior to uh, the interview before the closed captioning was up and running, it did seem that uh, he had a hard time understanding our our conversation saw and heard there the auditory processing challenges the speech challenges i've spoken with stroke experts they say folks can fully recover from that but the caveat that every expert gives is that they can't fully assess a patient without details on their health records without uh that information that the campaign has yet to disclose we've asked multiple times mm, yeah They've asked repeatedly and he's like, well, I'm not, you know, I give speeches and stuff. It, I mean, like I said, it's just the, it's just the, just the Senate. No big whoop, right? Nobody cares. Man, this is just, is wild. Come on. This is, uh, this is too important. Now, the way that he's trying to, the Fetterman people are trying to spin this is that you guys are being so mean. He had a stroke and you guys are being so ignorant and ableist. I swear to you, if I hear that one more time, it has nothing to do with that. The left is abusing him so that they can get power. They're putting out. Yeah. So let's talk about that. You're putting out if it's wrong, if you're going to run for elected office, voters have every right to ask questions about your mental and physical fitness. It is their right. People have died for it. They've died for it. They've bled for it. This is a republic. I think some have forgotten this. They have every right to ask this question. Ableist. You're running for Senate. This is not like you're going to go and be. uh, I mean, I'm just trying to think of something that wouldn't require the stress of being in the Senate. Name a job, name a position, anything. I think there's stress associated with almost every type of work. I'm trying to think of the, I don't know, like a flower picker. I don't know. It's not like he's going for flower picker at the botanical gardens. I don't know. He's running for Senate. And you can't say, well, we are so insistent on having him run because we want this seat. But how dare you ask questions? It's abuse. You're, if that's the way that the left wants to phrase it, then they're abusing him and hiding behind his health situation in order to deflect any kind of actual hard campaigning any kind of being able to have them answer any question it is bad and the same thing as with joe biden to be quite honest 
But with this, absolutely. Here's the thing. Uh, when when the left got mad at me for saying that, yes, because Senate elections, you have races and people vote and there is an outcome determ- determined and that winner usually helps to be part of either, you know, whatever, uh, you know, uh, uh, governing party is going to be running the Senate that adds to it. That's how these work. That's how elections work. And the left got so mad because I said, yeah, I want to you have two. Uh, really imperfect vehicles. One, they're just a vehicle for the voters' agenda. Yeah, I want to win the Senate because I want that agenda to. I want that agenda to win. Oh, they get so mad. They get mad at that, but they don't get mad about abusing a guy who is still recovering from clearly recovering from a stroke to the point where he can't even audibly process questions. They're abusing the him so that they can take the seat because that's how badly they want to win. They want it so bad, and they pretend that they're they're virtuous because it's a Democrat thing. It's not, though. I mean, I have so many sound bites here. It's, well, like, for instance, um, audio soundbite eight. This is one of these questions the reporter asked. Listen to this. Can voters trust that you will be able to do this job on day one? Yeah, of, of course. Okay, yeah. And, oh, and then, but there was more. Audio soundbite six. He was asked... Whether or not he was soft on crime, for instance. This is part of that same interview. Listen. Are you soft on crime? Uh, Of course not. I'm actually effective on crime. He had to stop. The reason there was a pause is because he stops and he has to read what's on the screen. And he has to process it. And then he can answer. He's, uh, of course not. I'm effective on crime. Thank you. In what way are you effective on crime? helping to perpetuate it or stop it. I mean, it was, it actually, I think, was difficult for the reporter to even conduct the interview at that point. And then there was this, Audio Soundbite 7. They have a debate, I mean, are they going to, how do they debate? Oh my gosh. He was asked about this. Listen to this, Audio Soundbite 7. Are you committed to showing up on October 25th to debate your opponent no matter what happens? No, I'm, I'm not, I'm not concerned. Uh, I believe that's another opportunity to be transparent and people can make their own decisions, uh, you know, during the debate. Sorry, to clarify, are, are you committed to showing up on October 25th, no matter what, no matter what your opponent says or does? Well, yeah, of course I'm going to show up on the 25th. Oh, okay. I'm so glad you had a... Is, is he going to actually have a, I don't know. Is he going to have a screen? They're on stage because previously that would disqualify somebody from a debate. I'm being honest. I mean, that's just kind of how when you look right now. So switching from this, because in Pennsylvania, it is so ridiculously close. It is. It's very incredibly close in Pennsylvania. And I don't care. I'm so tired of hearing. Well, you know, Oz isn't the best candidate. I've been saying that forever. But is, is it worth it to you to have to not have a Democrat majority in the Senate, that's kind of what it comes down to. I'm at that point where I'm like, no, not not participating in the election is a vote for the guy, the other guy. That's what it is. If you're not going to go out and, and vote for limited government, then you're voting for big government by withholding the vote. Nobody likes to actually say that. Have you noticed that they're like, it's a very personal decision. No, I'm going to tell you right now, people died for it. People fought for it. They've died for it. And if you're, that's kind of where we're at right now. I hate, look, I don't like Please don't don't mistake here. Don't make a mistake here and think that I like this situation. I like the setup. I tell you, I don't. There's one of the reasons why I try to get out as early as possible. And if I can help, you know, 
fundraise for different groups or different issues or throw, you know, whatever I can do to assist in my as a citizen in my area. Uh, I like to do that as, as swiftly and quickly as possible so that you end up having the best possible outcome and the best possible candidates. But when you get to a certain point, you got to go to battle with the soldiers you got. Nobody likes this position, but you have to look at the overall goal and don't get distracted. Now, when looking at some of this polling here, uh, man, Carrie Lake is now pulling ahead in Arizona. Now, don't that this is governor's race. It's 0.7, but it's getting there. And Pennsylvania, Fetterman is still dropping. He had been at a 4.3. Now he's at a 3.7. That was one. That's some of the latest. Warnock is at, this is one of the latest. R- RCP average has him at a 3.3. Now here's what's interesting. The Trafalgar group, Trafalgar group, they have uh, a new survey that they came out with just yesterday. And when they said if the Senate were held, if the election were held today, for whom would you vote? They have the libertarian candidate who's who's actually, I think, hurting Walker. Chase Oliver, this guy. Jeez. Uh, and then 5% is undecided. You have 44 to 46, Warnock ahead of Walker. But it's the principle. I want to run to set a principle. And your principle is going to cost the Senate. Great job. Good job. I'll say it if nobody else will. It's about strategy. You can go ahead and call me Machiavellian all you want to. Okay. I, 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 want, I want an agenda to win. I want an agenda of low taxation, no war, saving lives, leave me alone, let me have my guns. That's what I want. Now, further on this, speaking of some, since we played that stuff with Fetterman, can I please have audio soundbite three? It's only a couple seconds, guys, but man because it wasn't strong enough to maintain and excuse me, handle the fire truck. You know, the inflation. To my point, I, for all of the accusations that the left has been throwing, oh, the right just wants to win. What are you doing to these dudes? Left? What are you doing to Biden? What are you doing to Fetterman? I mean, I think some of them are willing participants in this. Like, don't get me wrong. People like the prestige that comes along we we don't have titles and a uh, nobility hierarchy here and so i guess they treat politicians as like the substitute for that even though it's completely supposed to be of the people they want to win so badly that they're willing to abuse the situations of these individuals to do so that to me says more than anything else we have more to come too, including man mike lee and mitt romney oh lord put a hand over my mouth on this one Uh, Oh, there's we got more on this. Also, a Stanford children's doctor says the demand for transgender surgery for kids. Kids has increased by fivefold. We've got that. I've got a lot for you. Never run out of coffee by joining the club with Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built upon the mission to serve coffee and culture to people who love America. As a veteran-owned company, Black Rifle Coffee Company delivers on that promise by developing explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus learned as members of the military, and they're committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. When you join the coffee club, you select your perfect roast, how much coffee you want, and how often you want it delivered, and it's all shipped right to your door for free not only do you save a trip to the store but you also receive special discounted pricing you gain access to exclusive products and partner brand discounts not sure what roast is best for you take the black rifle coffee quiz and get matched to the perfect coffee roast 
and then join the club. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana to save 20% off your purchase in your first coffee club order. That's 20% off with promo code Dana at BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana. Fuel your life with America's coffee. Black Rifle Coffee. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. Okay, so I've heard some things in my life as it pertains to alligators and Florida man and all this other stuff. But this is the first time that I've ever seen or heard of anything like this. So this comes, this is an actual, this is a real story. It comes by way of Yahoo News. A Florida man has successfully tamed an alligator with marshmallow treats. I don't know. A Florida couple celebrated their 40th anniversary through the bayou. And they uh, encountered a gator that has an appetite for marshmallows. Hester Dolgan recorded her husband as he petted the petted petted the reptile, throwing marshmallows into the water and even shaking one of its rear feet. And they said they they told the press they're from Florida. They said we were just enjoying a vacation in Louisiana, running away from the hurricane. We took an airboat uh, an airboat tour through the bayou outside of New Orleans, and she said. She goes, my husband has petted lots of animals. We went on a safari and he petted a white rhino. This may, her husband has no fear, apparently. And he feeds this gator. The gator apparently clearly loves marshmallow treats. And I read another story. It said they actually tried, went back. Oh, my gosh. It's just wild. So I don't advise trying that with any gators in your area. But that's actually kind of interesting. All right. So this Crestview man... This is ABC Channel 3, WEAR, in Okaloosa County, Florida. A 22-year-old Crestview, Florida man is charged with child neglect. He had a 9-year-old drive him home several miles, according to the sheriff's office. Alexander Barrios was arrested Monday, and a witness spotted a car entering the uh, Oak Hill Road from a neighborhood. It was around 8 a.m. Monday. So they, the witness immediately just suspected, just you know, thought that the driver was impaired because they said the vehicle was all over the roadway that the witness cut off the rear of the car near the intersection. And that's when he noticed a child was behind the wheel. So the witness told the child to get in the passenger seat and pulled the car into the convenience store. They called the police and the nine-year-old told deputies that this grown man had asked him to drive him home. And they said that the nine-year-old then began driving back alone, back to his own home after dropping off Barrios. He traveled three miles before the witness intervened. So the child's mom said, I wasn't even aware that he had left the house. So apparently the mother said, told deputies that Barrios was at her home the previous night drinking, stayed overnight. She realized in the morning that they were both gone. Oh my gosh, how in the world? Great parenting there. But that little, that nine-year-old drove him all the way there and then he was only spotted on the way back. That's, that's kind of amazing. Good heavens. And a Florida man attempting to flee police on proba- for probation violations used a bicycle as a getaway vehicle and then discarded it and tried thought he's going to run away on foot. That didn't happen. Tamarius Wagner, 24, he was uh, arrested for t- all kinds of drug possession, concealed weapons, and more. Stick with us. Third hour next. If you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they're winning. 
Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Visit PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation using offer code Dana. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement, make the switch today, and a difference tomorrow. PatriotMobile.com Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com Dana, 972-PATRIOT. It's noteworthy here that 48, all 48 of my other Republican colleagues are on board with me, have supported me, have supported my campaign, and have endorsed me. It's not too late, Mitt. You can join the party. I, I'd welcome you to do so, because otherwise you'll be stuck with two more years of Chuck Schumer being the leader and two more years of Joe Biden having unfettered rule over the United States Senate uh, without any Republican backstop. That is Senator Mike Lee, who's telling Romney, why don't you pitch in and help out? Welcome back to the program. Third hour of the show. Your lovable curmudgeon here, Dana Lash. I can't believe that someone like Mike Lee, and by the way, the way that they describe this in the press is just about right. I'm fixing to pull out my hair. He's not begging for anyone. He's saying, look, if you really believe, if you really want support or the, the control of the Senate, then you should help. Because he's up against um, Bevan McMuffin. The, I don't know. I'm that's I'm just I'm that's his name, and I'm sticking with it. He's there's a coalition of of some lefty that Dem- Democrats who call themselves independents and Democrats. So Lee's the incumbent. He's running against McMuffin, and it is the only election where Democrats have not put forth a candidate because they're behind McMuffin. And so Romney, who is still bitter about losing in 2012, and that soundbite was when Lee was talking with my friend Tucker Carlson uh, last night, he, he's still bitter, and he's not getting behind Lee. I have no idea why you would not get behind Mike Lee. Even if, because some of these surrogates that I hear for Romney, mm, and they're the same surrogates that uh, I have beef with still today. But even if it has something to do with uh, the impeachment vote or January 6th, one of the things that I think we all learned with Mike Lee is Lee had been telling, well, when Lee, and Lee was in the Senate, he was very clear. In fact, I think some of the, the best explanations, and we've talked about this six ways to Sunday off, for, for people who've regularly listened to the show, we've explained to an exhaustive degree how the there was a there, I think it was a lot of purposeful misrepresentation by the press absolutely because they wanted to present this all as being well these are Republicans that are trying to stop the election no one was actually trying to stop the election they were objecting once again really quickly to a handful of electoral ballots that were coming from I think three states in particular and what they were objecting to is they wanted a pause on the certification so that they could complete the verification process for those ballots because those states had changed their voting uh, process because during the pandemic and lockdown. Remember, that's when you had the drive up ballot boxes and all that stuff in actual uh, opposition to their own state constitution. And yes, while states run their own elections, if you want other states to recognize and incorporate 
your electoral results, we all have to have an agreement on the integrity of that ballot. That's the whole point of it. We all come to the agreement that this is what we're going to do to make sure we are upholding our voting integrity, that the people who are voting are alive, um, that, that, that this is a real and true vote. And we pass laws to affirm this within our states, and that's a part of our state constitution. So while states absolutely run their own elections, if you want another state to accept your electoral, electoral results and incorporate and inc- include your results into the overall whole to affect the sum total, then you need to prove that you have done, that you've upheld the integrity of the vote. And when you had certain states bypassing their own constitutional control of their election, i.e. just dropping entirely signature verification, some counties were turning in ballots that did not even have a stamped date on the envelope. I don't know anyone, regardless of party affiliation, who wouldn't say, can we just double check and make sure, can we just double check these And what the press did is the press went out and claimed that these objections weren't objections to this, as I explained, but that they were trying to stop the election. And that's not what people were doing at all. And this is one of the things that Mike Lee had pointed out. And he accurately said, no one can stop the election. You can't. It's only the certification process in the Senate. The law is quite clear. You cannot stop an election at that that point in the Senate. But that's the press falsely reported it the other way for an intended purpose. They wanted other people to believe it and parrot what they, their narrative. And then they also wanted to paint Republicans as being crazy. I'm going to tell you something. This is no different than what Democrats were trying to do with Bush Gore in Florida. And Mike Lee was very forthright. And he was saying that and he was even challenging people. Look, if you have these objections, what? Show us where, show us, like, explain. Was it the signature verification, etc.? He was keeping that all organized. But see, that seemed to, apparently was irrelevant to Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney was mad because he's still bitter about 2012. He's, he was mad because someone like Trump ended up running and winning in 2016. And regardless, I don't care what your opinion of Trump is. I don't care. The point is anyone can run for office. You don't have to be, we don't have this, we don't have this aristocracy in the United States. We don't practice that. We don't have a house of lords. We don't have titles. We don't have a a, peerage. We don't do that here. And there, but there are some people yet on the left and even some on the right, and I include Mitt Romney in this, who absolutely practice like we do. And it is stunning to me. And that's one of the whole reasons Romney was bitter Mike Lee was giving excellent justification for why we should pause to make sure that everything is certified and on the up and up and then continue. And I think Romney sort of, I think Romney's held that against him. Romney also wants to be kingmaker in Utah. I don't see if you are for life and you're for limited government and you're for good foreign policy, good economic policy. And you believe that your party is the best instrument through which to achieve your agenda. Why would you not support in the ways that you can 
your party's Senate majority. And there's nothing about Mike Lee that compromises anyone's principle. This comes down to vanity for Romney. Plain and simple. Absolute ego. He pretends that it's not. And I think that he, he's you know, allowed to skate because he has... Remember when the press hated him? Oh my gosh, now they love him. And he, lo- he loves that. I think he's a guy who loves being loved. That's his currency. He wants to be celebrated. He wants to be looked at as powerful. Everybody has a currency. I think that's his. I think it's incredibly selfish because this Evan McMuffin guy is one of the dumbest people that I have ever seen in politics. I got to tell you. One of the dumbest. And the Senate race is getting closer. McMuffin has been raising millions of dollars from very, very far left Democrats. And he's eating it up. He loves it. He loves it. This isn't about any kind of principle for him. They're just, they just don't like Mike Lee. Mike Lee is one of the very rare creatures in the Senate who actually cannot be influenced by anybody. I don't care who's been in office and who is, who has, is hopeful for office. He just hasn't. And there's value in that. Value for his constituency. And then you have McMuffin who's happy to take pro-abortion money and use that to help fuel his campaign. I just think, and then Romney won't address it because he's a coward. I don't have anything else nice to say. Now, as it relates, I got a couple of other things here. Golly. Uh, We were talking about uh, all the latest with midterms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I have some wokery. I got to get into some of this wokery stuff. Help us all. Good heavens. I, there are so many of these videos that are coming out now. I wanted to play Audio Soundbite 21. This is a, a doctor, Stanford, Stanford Children's Doctor, who is discussing the demand for transgender surgery and how it's increased the amount that it has. Listen to this. As transgender people are more openly being able to seek therapy, the demand for transgender surgery has increased by five-fold over the past five years. And one may think that the preservation of surgery is a valid one, but in reality, it's not very relevant or valid. 18 is the age in which minors are protected from making permanent decisions about their reproductive health because the thought is then at 18, they can decide what they would like to do. However, If as soon as pubertal blockers were added and then estrogen was added to her therapy, Avery's testes never developed. Oh, my gosh. So this is a TED talk from this Stanford children's doctor. Chris Rufo had uh, published this and he said the demand for transgender surgery has increased by fivefold is what he's reporting that she's saying. And if a boy takes hormones and uh, then his, you know, his testes are non-functional, then just go ahead and remove them, surgically remove them, even if the kid's a minor. You heard the other one, the other doc that we played the other day saying, oh yeah, this is a moneymaker. So you now have medical doctors, as he noted, saying the phrase, her testes. Um, pretty sure we don't have those. Uh, wow. It is 
radical gender theory. And you know what gets me is that not at any point during this TED talk from this doctor, no one stopped to go, whoa, 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 hold up. Why has this increased by 500 something percent? Are you using the increase to justify the unnecessary, the unnecessary non-medical surgery? Is that without actually looking into why it's increased? I mean, it's kind of rhetorical, but it's amazing that no one has thought at any point to interject with that question. That is, uh, I have this other article that's absolutely terrifying. And uh, coming up after headlines, we're going to talk about it. Because imagine, I mean, this is just one doc. Imagine the future of medicine with this type of wokery. It's terrifying. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. I didn't get to this last headline segment, but it was too good to let languish for another day. Uh, So a guy got, this is from Smoking Gun, a guy got busted for trying to legit rob a bank with a finger gun. Like, Like literally his hand in the form of a finger gun tucked under a shirt. And... Guys, the heist was about, according to the police report, $120. And he was arrested within like 10 minutes. Paul James Sinclair, 56. He, his mugshot says, yeah, I did it. I mean, it looks like he's got that expression. Uh, he entered a Chase Branch in Seminole around 1.25 p.m. Monday, approached the teller, had his hand under his shirt, made the shape of a gun with his finger, demanded that she hand cash over. He told her not to push any buttons as he waited for her to open the drawer. She handed him $120 and he fled. That's it. That's all. He, oh, my gosh. Dumbest, dumbest bandit alive. I mean, with Red Dead Redemption, I'd have him taken out in a second. Just, I mean, you know, properly arrested and turned over to the authorities. I mean, good heavens. What is wrong with some people? $120 and he's got his finger gun. All right, so uh, forget the sub, the suburban McMansion craze. Say hello to the super basements. Okay, I've actually heard people talking about this before, but not in Texas, because you can't get really basements in and around Texas. I think you got to maybe go to like Hill Country or up north towards Red River. But they said that Wall Street Journal has this whole thing on big, fancy McBasements. So they said that because there's a lot of now in certain parts of the United States, Uh, limitations on above ground home sizes that has led to people creating these massive basements with whiskey tasting rooms and all this Beverly Hills is finally pushing back and saying we're done we're not doing this anymore I didn't even know that that was like a thing that people are doing but apparently it is look at that Uh, let's see a couple of other things Israel and Lebanon have reached a historic agreement paving the way to potentially rich gas exploration So Israel and Lebanon, they each said separately on Tuesday, they settled a years-long maritime border dispute involving major oil and gas in the Mediterranean. The U.S. has been trying to broker this deal for some time. It includes uh, the Karish oil and gas field and others. So that's uh, very good news indeed. Stick with us. We got more in store next. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. I think we're getting energy completely wrong, which is 
you know, ever since this war started, you've known that Europe was going to have a problem and that it was pretty predictable that Putin was going to cut off some gas and certain oil and oil prices would go up. And by the way, for the climate folks here, it's made the climate worse because people had this bad assumption that high oil prices and gas prices reduce consumption, reduce CO2. No, poor nations, India, China, Indonesia, Philippines, Vietnam, are turning back on coal plants, as are rich nations called Germany, Netherlands, France. We have it completely backwards. And in my view, America should have been pumping more oil and gas, and it should have been supported. You know, we're trying to have our cake and eat it too a little bit. And so you have the, the, you have the problem this winter, which it sounds like they've got enough supply to get through this winter but we we have a longer term problem now which is the world is not producing enough oil and gas to reduce coal make the transition create security for people uh, so i would put it in a critical category and th this should be treated almost as a matter of war at this point not as a, a, a nothing short of that yeah he's right on that that's the uh, ceo of jp morgan chase he was telling cnbc this this just the other day that america should have been doing this the entire time he's joins a chorus of people of, of executives of, of people who in the energy sector even you know elon musk was saying this that this is what the united states needs to do this is not the time to force a transition that the market can't support that the economy can't even support and that national security right now can't support welcome back to the program dana lash here with you the bottom of our third hour and i it, one of the things that they noted, for instance, they were uh, the issue of energy scarcity. Now, I knew it was a lot, but it's actually over 45 per, up to 45 percent of Europe's natural gas is from Russia. Which makes that move from Germany all the ballsier, because when they said, well, well, you know, we'll we'll increase what's coming through Nord Stream 2. And the German government said, yeah, no, you're not, because uh, you've already messed around with Nord Stream 1. And now you've just proven yourself to be an unreliable energy partner. It was actually a very nice response that they had. I was quite impressed. Now, whether they stick to it, that remains to be seen. Of course, they wouldn't have been in this position in the first place had they just done what the United States was telling them, warning them about four years ago. But here we are. Maybe, it ta maybe you have to get to this point before people realize that First off, one, and this is one of the things that Diamond mentioned that he was getting into, you have to, let's just say for a minute that we're going along with this irrational forcing the market to transition strictly to EV. Let's ignore the national security implications of this too for a moment. You cannot stop producing the amount of oil and gas required to facilitate the transition because then you stall out your transition. What I mean by this is look at, as we've discussed, the average cost of an, an, an EV is beyond what most people can afford right now. I mean, it's, I mean it pretty much matches the average uh, annual income for people. To say nothing, by the way, of the battery, that what that costs to replace the battery when that goes out. In some instances, it's more than or as much as the car. And so this whole issue is and, and with that this whole issue is even made more problematic by what is required to even make these things i mean think of the you know the windmills and the batteries and everything else the shipping etc you you're still going to have to you're going to require oil and gas to 
make all of the fabricate all of that to create that infrastructure and you're going to have to have a backup and what one of the things that he hit on even further and as he touched on in that audio soundbite is that we're not doing that right now we're not even doing that we're not even meeting the basic need to actually facilitate a transition it's dumb you can't just be like okay guys we're just going to shut it off everybody go now to this oh my gosh that's just no you can't do that I'm glad that he's at least being transparent about this. At least somebody is. I wish our politicians here would. Eh, They're not really, you know, so much. So I have, oh my gosh, I still have so much for you here uh, to get, uh, to unpack as we are here in the bottom of our hour. So let me hit uh, this thing as with the, because this is just plain fascinating. So do you remember as uh, Hurricane Ian was building, and barreling towards Florida. One of the measures of how severe you can expect the storm to be comes by way of something very unscientific sounding, right? Everyone said, oh, it's the Waffle House Index. If they stay open and the lights are on, that means something. When they close entirely, that means it's bad. And everyone was like, whoa, look at the Waffle House Index in Florida because a lot of them were closing. Well, this is a very interesting measure, I think, of whether or not we are actually in a recession. Now, this is not, doesn't sound scientific, but it is practical. I guess if you want to use a practical means, bear with me here, okay? Indulge me for a second. So this comes by way of Indy 100, and I'm just going to lay this headline out on you. Strippers say a market crash is guaranteed because uh, the clubs are suddenly empty. This is actually a very large discussion on social media right now because these uh, they said strippers are all over social media saying their clubs are empty uh, that this is usually you know what kind of happened this is usually what happens before there's a major instability in the market or during you know market instability or before a market crash and there is one woman she goes by the name of uh, Botticelli Bimbo I know I'm just bear with me here okay I said it was a practical measure I did not say that this was like Wharton School of Business all right just roll they said that this that the club is a sadly a leading indicator and when you think of it I think it's not just that think of other think of uh, concerts and any kind of entertainment event that requires the purchase of a ticket to enter. I would be very curious, for instance, to see how well uh, concert tickets are selling. Because when cash is tight, people don't want to, well, they don't want to make it rain at the club, that's for sure. And they're definitely not going to be going out to a lot of concerts and all that stuff. Now, a lot of them, including some club owners, were saying that, well, they've been in a recession since uh, middle Uh, you know, really since uh, like late 2020, early 2021. They said it's probably going to get worse. Some said that they noticed it definitely in spring of 21. Well, that's when you had the government that passed a trillion dollar package. And then we all got taxed twice after to pay for it. So there is an actual market research group called IBIS World. They estimate that profit for, now again, I'm using this as a measure, just like the Waffle House Index. It's very, it's just kind of interesting. They said that the uh, 
profit for those clubs have declined more than 12% in 2018 and that the overall annual revenue growth is down. And it's been slowing down in the past two years. And a 17.4% uh, decrease in the past year. Ooh. Man, now you could say some of it's pandemic, but it's also if the economy was doing quite well as we were starting to climb out of it, and then we started passing big spending packages and then tax hikes. I just thought that was kind of interesting, just because it is you have these very weird measures, but it is still a measure. It's still, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, Let's see. New York Post reports that Gen Z has canceled the thumbs up emoji. They say it's hostile. What? They said it's hostile. They say it's it has a rude meaning oh, for the love. So someone now some of the best and worst things collectively come from Reddit. Someone had asked, am I adult enough to be comfortable with the thumbs up emoji? They said most people use it and they said that it feels aggressive. It's an unsettling response. It's an emoji and you're a moron. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. They so some people were saying, no, for people who are under 20, 24 and under, it's a very passive aggressive reference. Are you serious? Who thinks that it is a passive aggressive reference? Steve, you're a millennial technically, so I don't know. Juan's, Juan is a Gen Z. Juan, is it aggressive to you? Thumbs up. He says no, but you know, he's also not crazy. Steve, do you think it's the thumbs up is uh, aggressive? I think I know why this says this. Because they've added the reaction things on like Apple iPhones where you can double click mm-hmm. a message and do thumbs oh, up, yeah. thumbs down, heart, emphasize, haha, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think if people decide to use the thumbs up emoji rather than double click and hit thumbs up, that might seem like you're being sarcastic. So I see where they're coming from. I think that they're so sensitive. That's just, well, yeah, I know. They said that, but there's, there are other ones, though, that they think should be canceled. The check mark. The okay hand, the loud crying face, the monkey covering eyes, clapping hands, the grimacing face, the lipstick. Oh, my gosh. Kiss mark. I, this is so ridiculous. That's like my top Stop 10. It. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just think there's too many emojis. But they are the modern day hieroglyphics. They really are. Like in the future, someone will probably be able to figure out how to work a phone. And they'll, they'll look at our caveman hieroglyphics and emojis and wonder why we were so stupid. I'm just, you know. I don't know. Uh, also... This is, I got some wokery here. I got a couple things of wokery. I might be running out of time for one of them. Now, one of my favorite moments from PCU, which starred Jeremy Piven, and this is a movie that, it's an old movie that I love, uh, and it, it details this college, and I guess it's in the 90s. I actually don't know when. It was kind of, when I first watched it, it had already been out for a long time. All I know is that George Clinton and P-Funk make an appearance in it. And Jeremy Piven's in it and some other people, but it's a it's a politically correct university and they make fun of political correctness in a way that would get them canceled now. But it was brilliant. And at one point he is handing out papers. He's trying to get everybody. Jeremy Piven's character is trying to get everybody to come to their party. Right. They have a, a co-ed frat trying to get everybody to come to their their frat house for a party. And they got George Clinton there and they're trying to raise money to save their frat house from the snotty lefty PC people. I mean, I'm telling you, it'd be canceled today. And so he gets into this uh, teacher's office and he's handing out essays that people can use so that they don't have to spend their time studying and they can go to the party. And he's handing out all kinds of stuff. And he's asking people, what's your major? What's your major? And someone's like Sanskrit. And he's like, you're majoring in a 1000 year old dead language. You're a moron. Get out. And then he handles, you know, hands somebody else something. Uh, but one of the other phrases that we always hear underwater basket weaving degrees, like people make fun of that. 
Well, I have we have a, another one that's dumber, and I cannot believe it because I actually referenced them earlier as like a position of a, a, a as like a form of authority, and I don't know why because now the Wharton School of Business they are offering you can get a Master of Business in DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. I'm not kidding. You have to take classes, says Daily Wire, in business economics and discrimination or leading diversity in organizations. But once you get your brainwashing credits, then you can walk out saying, I can work as a DEI consultant, which is the new snake oil salesman. Wow. Made up. Wow. Now, this, uh, you can actually make a lot of money in DEI. They said that the chief diversity officer, because this is an apparently now a position, is anywhere, like they said on average, it's $227,900. Can you get a degree in feels? I'm just curious. I don't know. That's, jeez, this is so insane. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure you sign up for my newsletter over at Chapter and Verse. Uh, well, over at Substack, it's called Chapter and Verse. And I've been, um, I'll have a couple of pieces that I'm going to put in there for you. Uh, I've had the, including one that I would have been reading about how hard it was for uh, Peter Jackson to film the Helm's Deep scene for one of the Lord of the Rings films. And it's really good. It's a really good piece. I'm going to put that in there as well. There's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't know. And I love Lord of the Rings. I love all of it. So it's very interesting. Uh, the also coming up this week, Steve, who do we have? You were, uh, and I'll put this in email as well. Who do we have for our guest coming up th- the rest of this week? Uh, tomorrow we have Kurt Schlerter. And then uh, Friday we'll have uh, Ohio Senate candidate J.D. Vance. Excellent. And he had a very, man, that was such a slam. I mean, that was that debate response to tim ryan uh i put it up on instagram which i don't normally do with different political debates but i was like that i don't care what you think of jd vance that was um that was pretty stunning that was what do you how do you come if you're tim ryan how do you come back for that you just got to tag out or tap out one of the two i mean there's there's nothing left nothing left now for I have more wokery. I'm going to spring on you tomorrow. One of it includes, one of the headlines includes how fury over a Tufts University event where white staff is going to be separated from colleagues in, as part of a radical healing dialogue series to unpack whiteness. Which, uh, what? That's, so that's, this is all CRT. This is all Marxist, completely. Going back to Derek Bell, all going back even further, Karl Marx. This is just absolute, it's shenanigans. So we've got that for you. But then you even get crazier. So there's this story of a violent sex offender who was awarded more than $2.5 million in legal fees because he sued the state for withholding gender-affirming care. While he was incarcerated. We're going to talk about that story tomorrow. Because it is absolutely wild. It's going way too far. And we're going to discuss. the How unbelievably terrifying it is. The thought of woke medicine. Woke doctors. And how that's going to impact healthcare. In the future. It's all like terrifying stuff. When you think of it. It's brave new world kind of things happening out here. 
So we're going to get into all of that tomorrow. And of course, we'll have my friend Kurt Schlichter, who has a great new book out. In the meantime, I believe it's that time for today's stupidity. Yeah, Janet's out, Janet Yellen's out there still trying to pretend like nothing's happening. And, you know. Oh, the economy's great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, here, you answer my own question. Here you go. Um, we still see the impact of uh, COVID in China and the slowdown in Chinese growth. And um, with high inflation and tightening monetary policy in many advanced countries, um, emerging markets from really all of these factors are suffering um, many stresses. So there's a lot to talk about. But from the perspective of the United States, I think the United States is doing very well. Oh, oh, we don't have anything to. No, you don't have anything to worry about. It's all great. No worries. Nothing to see. It's like the guy from the movie waving his hands. Nothing to see here. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like some serious Baghdad Bob stuff. This is why we don't see. This is why we don't trust it. Folks, that does it for us today. Sign up for that email newsletter. Find us on YouTube and Facebook. Like and subscribe. Back with you tomorrow.